and you say what you want about Josh McDaniels. I know he hasn't fared well. He's awful. But that was what that was what he told them in his interview was you need to gut the entire building. Everybody goes, and I decide who stays and who goes. Yeah, but that well, would have been bad also. But well, his point in that was, case because he's not the man to fix it. Right. But, but his it's point interesting was that two different people came to the same conclusion. Yeah. Josh's you point can, was you, you have can to identify that something's broken. That doesn't mean you can fix it. That's right. And I think in 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 Shanahan's case, he looked around the room and he goes. I'm going to shoot myself in the foot when it comes to getting this job. But the last thing I want to do is take this job, go four and 12 and back to back years because my hands were tied behind my back and then never get another job. So I thought he wisely assessed the situation and said, I'll take the job, but here's the circumstance. I can't have him meddling. I don't want him in the organization. This thing is broken. We got to fix it from the top down. We've got to fix it. And they heard that and they said, no, we're good. But in the end, debating what the owner's flaws, like we know his flaws, it, there's nothing we can do about it. So what's the point? I mean, it's like, what are we going to do? Well, but, you got to overcome it. it there's other, there's it. other bad owners. Jerry Jones is a bad owner. Mike Brown's a bad owner. You know, I mean, you got. Well, if you put your foot in Joe Burrow in the draft yeah. and you just step okay, in it, well, that's it. You can't I, mess that up again. If Deshaun Watson has to be able to overcome the bad ownership as well as other things, and if he. It, but but is that the most difficult thing to overcome? I think you're so. About a bad quarterback, you can change. A bad coach, you can change. I I honestly think that the worst situation you can be in is being a bad ownership yeah, situation. It's, it's bad because it's never going to fix itself. Right. But, if we all banded together, all the Browns fans, yeah, and we stood outside the stadium and no one went inside for a game, and we all picketed with signs, "Sell the team, sell the team." You know what he'd say? Nah, I'm good. Yeah. You know what's And fu- what are you going to do? What's funny We is, keep supporting it because we love this team. What's funny is I remember when Haslam bought the team. I was we were all excited at the I time. was. Because I, the last owner it. sucked. And he had he he had been he was, with the Steelers. Yeah. Hey, you right. Hey, so he knows what it looks like. Yeah. People in Milwaukee think he's a great owner. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, he's, <laughs> just, he's got Damian Lillard. Well, he's not the majority <laughs> owner, is he? It's a split. No, it's a split. It's a joint. But he's big. (laughs) But guess what? Got a lot to do with writing. Got that Dame. Got Dame Dollar in there. Yeah. Give me somebody. Give me a tackle. Jimmy Jimmy. bought into the team. They had to fire the coach. (laughs) That's unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, give me a tackle, Jimmy. Uh, Come on, dog. We're waiting for Lomas. I've texted him. I've called him. I'm not getting any answer. I hope he's okay. I don't know what's going on. So let's do this. We'll, We'll to your point. We'll move Baker up, and if Lomas. Is available. We'll do Lomas on the back. Last thing before we get to Baker. Okay. Isn't it funny that the night like. Obviously, John Lynch was basically hired by Shanahan to be the GM of the John Niners. Lynch is a genius, by the way. They worked together, right, hand in yep. hand. They made one of the worst trades we've seen in modern yes. years. Well, yes. I, what was it? The Trey Lance? The Trey Lance? Trey yeah. Lance. I thought it was – but here's what they did, guys. Yeah. There was a, they made a bad pick, okay? They realized, uh-oh. Well, not only that, but the, they gave up three – draft capital. Two picks I know together. they did. Yeah. Awful decision. And yet it hasn't hurt them at all. But you, you know why? By, in part – they cut bait on him, and they moved on. It, but, now, it's one thing to make a bad decision, but I we said that the Browns doubled down on a bad decision by giving Jed Wills the fifth year. Now they're tripling down on a bad decision by keep trotting a guy out there that looks like he's playing in a potato sack. So when you make a bad decision, yeah, it's incumbent on getting yourself out of that situation as fast as you can. Well, had they not fallen into Brock Purdy, we might be having a very different right. conversation. Can I say that, can, can we literally, if a, if a man goes to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G, 
Then he draft Trey Lance. It was like, you ain't good. And then he comes with Brock Purdy, who's a seventh-round pick, last pick of the draft. Yeah. Can it we, has something to do with the At some point in time, don't you got to give the man credit for saying... 100%. Yes. This, I make quarterback. That's the real but quarterback. That's, what I'm saying is that, like, it's remarkable that they made one of the worst trades of the past 20 years. You're right. And, and it's just kept a non-factor. And they not just kept even rolling. the trade, it was the draft pick, too. It was Well, the t- combo of the two. Yeah. The combo yeah. of the two, it was yeah. just all-time awful. Now, and you know what they did? When, once they realized, and they gave them two really good chances to be good, once they realized we made a terrible mistake, they washed well, the dirt off their hands. in fairness, I would argue they never really – Trey Lance has barely played. When he has played, he has not I been know, that I know, but guy. he's not been they enough. They were saying something interesting last night in the telecast that I wanted to ask yeah. you guys about. Chris Collinsworth was talking about the processor, even Tariq, yeah, yeah. about how, okay, well, what is it? Why is this guy this, this guy? And they all couldn't say enough about – how fast he processes everything. How he's going, one read's not there, two read's not there, boom. Making the right call at the line of scrimmage, seeing what the defense is in, finding out the best spot, and they even said at one point that he will be the first to tell you that he doesn't have the strongest arm. Yeah. And he doesn't have this yeah. you know, all-time great quarterback skill set. What he has is a microchip that processes things at AI speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's... To me, That's after true. hearing that conversation, and I've always thought this because I thought Bernie was the same guy. Bernie was, not only was Bernie not gifted skills from a skill set, he was handicapped with his skill set. He was able to overcome it with his processor. Yeah. How many games do you guys think Trey Lance has started in the NFL? Nine. I would say six or seven. <sighs> Single digits. Like eight. Four games. Four. So he Saw never enough. No, that's not I really. Did. That's not and, enough. And I think the reason the Niners felt they saw enough is because Garoppolo having success with Shanahan. Shanahan knows. He's yeah. looking at this guy going, he's just not it. I think he, the Purdy element is what allowed right. them to cut bait on I, Lance. But so absolutely. I, I think it was – I mean, I think somebody else should give him a chance at some point. Oh, he I will. think he'll get he's another chance. He's only like 100 he's, passes He's going to get another chance. He'll get another chance. He'll get another chance. But he's three on the depth chart in Dallas. Yeah. So they, that, that's right. where he should be because he didn't play like, a lot of high-level ball yeah, in college either. He'll really? get another chance at some point. Okay. Well, if anyone's had a couple of chances in the NFL from a high-round pick to then being a journeyman to then finding his feet again, it's Baker Mayfield. We've seen him have his time in Cleveland, go to Carolina, flame out, had a couple moments in Los Angeles, and is now playing pretty well for the Bucks. He was on the Pat McAfee show on Friday, guys, previewing the – you can't say the it's the Red River rivalry now. It's not the uh, Red River shootout. The Red River rivalry, Oklahoma versus Texas. Did you guys hear the comments? If not, we're going to play I it did, for you. I did, but for the audience, ahead, play it. Didn't if you them. didn't hear, this is Baker Mayfield on his situation and how it ended in Cleveland on the Pat McAfee show from Friday. Anthony. You, to be the Cleveland Browns quarterback that is able to win a playoff game in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. So not only go to the playoffs, win a playoff game against the Steelers. It felt like at that moment we were all like, well, football gods just said, hey, this guy's going to be in Cleveland forever. Yep. This is the Browns guy. This is his moment. And then just a couple years later, you're to the Panthers, and then you're to the Rams, yep. and now you're the Bucks. Did you feel a moment in time, you don't have to say exactly when it was, where you knew maybe this wasn't going to be my forever home? And what was it from the outside looking in? We're very confused by it all. Just want to let you know that. I think I'm still confused too. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, No, I I think towards the end there, you know, I played 2021 with a pretty much torn apart shoulder. And I was excited to be, you know, get the surgery, get healthy and, and get another shot to try and get back to that 2020 form. 
Um, but it, that wasn't their plan, and I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. Now, the roller coaster I went on after that was a little bit nuts for me, but uh, it gave me a good perspective. You know, being in Carolina, trying to be a good mentor to a couple guys, and, and just a different perspective on it. Take a step back, be a good leader, and then also at the same time, then going to LA, it was like, all right, looking at each other, I got a five game season here, let's make the most of it and pad the resume. Is anybody, Pat McAfee says we're all confused. Is anybody actually confused besides Pat McAfee? I, I still I think have the, questions. I, I think the national media is be confused about it. Yeah, because they weren't in the minutiae of all the stuff that was going on. No, I think most people that cover football realize you have to have a top quarterback to win. Baker was clearly not a top quarterback. I and think they, I so think, the Browns took a chance on a guy who's had off-field problems because He's been that kind of quarterback before he got here. Well, it uh, makes perfect sense. Whether it works out or not is another story, but I, it made perfect sense. I think at the 10,000 feet, like a lot of players are not sitting here game to game watching film. Yeah. They just know, well, he know, hey, the Browns have been trash. Uh, they went to Pittsburgh. They won a game in, in Pittsburgh. You're number one pick. I thought they think it's a foregone conclusion no. um, that you get another year. Like Daniel Jones, right? Hey, you won a playoff game last year. You just automatically get the bag, right? It don't matter if you really think you're that good. Quarterbacks that are number one picks that win playoff games usually don't get jettisoned. You know, you know another first-round pick that uh, won a playoff game in Pittsburgh? Tim Tebow. Uh, you mm. haven't said anything yet. What, what's your thought? Do you think that in general, that not, the, not in Cleveland, because I think Clevelanders quickly picked a camp, yeah. and they put their flag in the ground, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. Like, you're not going to talk me out of it. Right. Whether you were pro Baker it or was against Baker. Unbelievably polarizing. I've never, I, I said this before. The only situation, that's why it's really interesting that you brought up that Tim Tebow won a playoff game. Tim Tebow is the only player, and his was on a national scale, that I've seen that's more polarizing than Baker Mayfield. That's probably, yeah. But for Tim Tebow reasons. wasn't any good. He was only polarizing because he was popular. He couldn't play in the well, NFL. You've, you've insisted that Baker isn't any good. No, I've insisted that Baker's not a top 20 starter. I, that, okay, if you're in the bottom 12, you're not any good by your own standards. Well, there's a big difference between Tim, T- Tim Tebow's not an NFL quarterback. Baker Mayfield no. is, in my opinion, a lower tier starting quarterback. Right. And you can't win with that guy. That's a big difference between Tim Tebow, See, who's not an NFL quarterback. Go ahead. Well, I think a lot, of, probably around the country, some people probably don't pay that close of attention to the Browns, and yeah. they're probably curious. But I think if you lived it, you know. Baker knows exactly why he's not here. The of whole he I'm, does. I'm a little confused. Well, you asked for a trade, number one. Now, there was a lot well, of reasons that led to that. Yeah, that's a lot He didn't that come out of the blue and say, trade me. But I almost liken it to why I was saying you need to go after Jonathan Taylor because there was something that was clearly better that was out there than what you had currently. If none of this happened with Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun never asked for a trade from Houston in the first place, take away all of the allegations and everything, go back before all that. If he doesn't ask for a trade out of Houston and that whole thing unravels, Baker probably is still back here because there was nobody out there that was clearly head and shoulders better. And Kevin had said, I can move forward with this guy. Yeah, I think that the Browns felt like the reason they targeted Deshaun was they felt like he was head and shoulders clearly better than Baker, and they had the numbers to back it up. Now, has it panned out that way? No, not to this point it hasn't. we still got a long way to go. Right. But to this point, it, he hasn't been demonstrably Deshaun's numbers better. have been Baker Mayfield-esque absolutely. in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Very Baker I, I can go back. I was just trying to pull it up. I can't find him, but I, I've written about this a million times. Throw the shoulder injury out. Just look at his late-game situations. Baker's late-game. Not performing. Got to have it moments. Yep. And there was always an excuse. The Kansas City game, he had to drive him down the field through the interception. Well, he was tripped. Or there, there was always an excuse right. attached to it. The fact is, 
he could never deliver and got to have at moments when you need your quarterback the most. And that's why I'm, I'm to t- take this back to the Purdy thing. I'm really curious to see how does Purdy react in those situations when the Niners are against a really good team. Yeah, when you're when you're in a late game, got to have it. You're at the 15 and you got to drive and score and you got 88 seconds to do it. How do you respond? Right. Baker can't handle those situations. And and that's why they moved on from him. He he just didn't have it. Now, he could have a wonderful year in Tampa. He could put up great numbers this year and the master bakers are going to take a victory lap and that's fine. It's already but I mean, then, he's on the, he's on his way to that. But no. Yes, well, he's, he's for, at the quarter pole, he's on his way. He, yes. You he, could be he, still yeah. in the starting gate and he's clearly Jay. not. Yeah, he's we we're quarter way and then he's played great. And he could have a wonderful statistical year. That doesn't mean next year he's going to come back and do it again because history has shown with him it's that level of consistency week to week to week right. and year to year to year that he does not possess. So I I'm never going to kill the Browns. Now, maybe we get to the point where we look back and say, that was a mistake. But I'm not going to kill them for that because I was all in favor. Yeah. I didn't think Baker had no, it. I think, I think I was the first in town to say, this is not it. They have it, to do better than that. Oh, it would was, never have been a, I was a, a mistake to improve for Baker. <laughs> you might have been a mistake to improve. Yeah, after I, I got Chiefs Duke game, and New Jersey. After the Chiefs game <laughs> is the first time I thought, I'm not sure this guy is it. And he had Wait, great numbers that game. game? No, the cheat, the opener, the, the opener, okay. the, 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 the twenty-one first, opener. Yeah. I, I was talking to people after that game. I'm like, that game's on six. Like he lost them that game. I don't care what his numbers were, first through third quarters, he lost them that game in the fourth quarter. Well, we, I look at it. I told, I keep just reaching. I love. I, we go down the, the the timeline. Now look, Baker has been up to other places. He got another opportunity to do his thing. But the, everything that you said for Baker, you can stay for say for Szymanski. since he's been here. It's about the week to week to week to week ups downs with Kate. six different quarterbacks, six different quarterbacks, right? I mean, he's had he's had them all. But, so Fansky has he, he's had six different quarterbacks. Here's the thing. I look at it and I said, when are you going to start stringing besides the 2020 season is win one, lose one, win one, lose two, win one, lose one. Where is the consistency of putting those those games together? It only happened in 2020. Only happened they won in 2020. four games in a row twice. And so now. We look at it, and I'm looking at it from a, a standpoint of saying, "Okay, where's your signature win?" Right. But we the question I mean, was about the question about Baker. They'll get circling back to that. Yeah. Are you rooting for Baker in Tampa? I don't root for nobody. I ain't a fan. You don't really? No. Nah, what I do is I look at it and I just be objective on it. If he's balling, I just say he balling. That's what the film say. I'm married to the film. If he even if I don't really per se like you or like but you're your, human, you have to be like, oh, it's good to see. So and so rise above it. No. Dak, Dak's story in Dallas and his life is so incredible. I always root for him, but I always know what I'm going to get. I always say this: the football is the greatest sport in the world because it don't matter what I say about you or anybody else. You get an opportunity to shut everybody up. You can come out here and ball, and I got to say, but you based root on- for guys, don't you? I root for the Browns. That's it. Yeah, I, the Browns. All right, so okay. you're rooting for Baker. Let me, let me ask you success. this: Do you ever actively root against someone? I want this guy to the fail. The Steelers. Anyone who wears yeah, black I don't, and yellow. I don't, that's an I don't, example. That's yeah, yeah the people in my division, I don't even want to see the division. So you Other do than want that, them to perform uh, poorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They but outside of else. that, like individuals. No, I, I, but I enjoy like the game. Danny Dimes. But, but, um, I'm, I'm but ambivalent about him. I'll I don't get, care what I'll the give you does. this. If you got, like, I enjoy people who got really good talent. Like, so Michael Parsons, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like, I watch him because he's really good. I'm like, yo, sure. I'm a fan of and it. And you appreciate it. And I appreciate it. I'm right. appreciative of, of, of the skill in the, in the game. 
I wouldn't say that I root for anybody actively except for the Browns. That's why I'd be just doing I, too much. I am actively rooting against Baker Mayfield. Well, we, we know. That. We, we know. know. That was, that was <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing yeah. about that. Like, it's a personal choice. That's your choice. You can do that whatever yeah. you want. Um, by the way, it doesn't affect how they play. I no. mean, we all know that. Yeah. Uh, my rule of thumb is, and I, are there exceptions? Of course. Uh, but in general, if it's easy it's easy to root for everybody to, you know, I want everybody to do well, but you can't have the teams in your division do well. So I, I actively root against oh, yeah. the Steelers and the Ravens. I found myself, I, I felt like I needed a shower after that Steelers game because I was rooting for Pittsburgh. It was disgusting. I just felt like, can I wash this stink off? You me? were rooting for Pittsburgh. Huh? Uh, yeah, well, you had to. The standings dictated that we had to be Steelers I guess, fans yesterday. Yeah. And I felt gross as hell about it. Outside of that, and you'll hear a lot of pro athletes say this. I don't root for teams. I root for my former teammates that I know and I play. When you cover the sport for as long as I have and you guys have been around it, you meet people that are just easy to root for. Mm-hmm. I like that guy. Mm-hmm. Dak is one of them. that I just Every time I watch him, I'm like, come on, man. What, 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 don't mess this up. What comes to mind is Alex, Alex Smith when he broke his leg. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, the whole yeah, world yeah, yeah. Like Alex Smith, horrible. I was like, yeah, I wanted yeah. to see him come but, back like and play but well. Like, I met Baker a number of times. Worked with his wife. Baker's not an easy guy to root for. He's just not. He says the wrong thing at the wrong time. To your point, I need my quarterback in the top five lists of skills. I think one or two has to be better in the clutch than when than the first quarter. Yeah, I need that. He was never that guy, and he he and I personally never had any bad dealings. I never said anything that he felt he had to reach out about. There were a couple of times he actually reached out to ask questions about certain things. But he's not an easy guy to root for. But the guy I saw in that McAfee clip, to me, I think he showed a little bit of maturity. Because I thought, uh uh-oh, when I first saw that uh, the clip was posted, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, here comes the grenade. He's feeling himself. He's having a good year. Here it comes. Because we falsely reported a comment that Baker didn't make that we thought, here he goes again. That's Elon Musk's fault. We all believed it for one reason. It fit his mold. It fit his character. But, Jay, have you ever seen a player smell themselves more without accomplishing well, accomplishing oh, yes. that little. Absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely. Ooh, name Z- a players that have Z- felt. Well, you're putting Z- me on the spot Z- right Z- now. Johnny Manziel. You're asking me players who felt they were great and they sucked? Oh, that's oh, most the list is long. Yeah, right. no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. The list is, I'm saying the okay, guy, the every he, time he has a game or two where he plays well, that, he's out there bragging. You're making my point. All the time. You, Although you, you're he, helping me make my I, point. He's been humbled the last couple and of years. And that's my point. Yes. So you humbled when he says, when he says, oh, I don't know what happened in Cleveland. Like, he's always the victim. No, Paul, you're looking for something that isn't there on this instance. Because to your first point, yeah. that's why I'm saying I, it's hard for me to actively root for this guy because he's been that guy. Right. What I saw Friday on the McAfee show, to your point, and the point I started making originally was he handled it differently. He could have taken a small victory lap and said, you know what, I don't even think about those guys because they are where they are, and we are where we are, and I like where I am a lot better than what he could have. Yeah. But you know what he said? Yeah, I really don't know what happened there. It, and a, then he went on to say, I played with a mangled shoulder all year and thought I would get a little leeway for that, and they ran me out of town. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of a guy with a I terrible I thought it was shoulder, a little bit more mature than the old Baker. Who's got a terrible shoulder? Deshaun Watson. Speaking of shoulders, <laughs> yeah, I have a Deshaun Watson update Uh-oh. for you guys, and we're going to bring this update to you brought to us by 
the UCSS YouTube channel. If you're out there watching the show today, we appreciate you. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. It is completely, totally, 100% free. Do yourselves a favor. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Help us out. It does a long way for making UCSS get out to all the people in the YouTube algorithm. So do us a favor. Hit the like. Hit the subscribe. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is talking to the media right now. And he was asked about Deshaun Watson and how his rehab is going. And Mary Kay Cabot tweeted out, and I'll read Jake's next, but he said, quote, Deshaun will be out there as soon as he's ready and functionally ready, end quote. And you can take this Jake Trotter tweet full. Uh, Stefanski said Watson didn't practice today as, quote, part of his rehab. He would not comment on the chance that Watson does or doesn't play against Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Well, I actually think that's smart. After all the – well. After, then why did Barry last week say he's expecting him to play? This that's week? what I had a problem with in real time. That was time. weird. Well, I forgot. I actually forgot that yeah. Andrew said that. I think that they're taking the approach this week of listen. We're, we're just not going to talk about this. Yeah, we got so silence. much trouble last we'll time. We'll keep all the injury stuff in the locker room. Yeah. Don't share the media. Yeah. Don't tell Mary Kay Cabot you're going to play because you raised expectations falsely, right. needlessly. Right. So yeah, that's they're, what I would expect. They're going to let the say. injury report do the However, talking this week. However, what he could have said that I didn't hear. And you can say that without giving anything away. We feel really good about where he is. He's yeah, that say Maybe any- they don't feel really good about where he is. Well, sometimes you he- what, yeah. sometimes what's not said yeah. drowns out what is said. And yeah. that might be one of the no, cases. No we day. had, real quick, G, and you were part of the interview on Friday. We had Dr. Jesse Morris on the show talking about the injury itself, the rehab process, and what goes into being comfortable throwing the football again from that. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on our YouTube page. He seemed to think that Watson, based on the timetable of recovery, would be back for Sunday. I know, but I, I, I said at the time, you got to be really careful with doctors making general sweeping statements yeah. on somebody they haven't even looked he at. He was basing that on the information he has, which right. is not all the information. It's, and, a, um, it's a sliver of <clears throat> I mean, it, again... They thought he was going to play against Baltimore, but the guys I talked to in the locker room, Man. there was no question he was going to play yeah. against San Francisco. Like, not even. I don't doubt. think we should panic yeah. until Wednesday. If Wednesday he doesn't practice, then it's a big problem. I, 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 I think there's a, there's a different things. It's a big. It's a it's a canyon between not caring and not panicking and being <laughs> cautious about yeah. a shoulder injury and the yeah. guy can't throw the football. I I just I keep telling people and I I don't know what he has. But hey, listen, I got nerve damage. I know what I know what it is to be like. You know what? This arm don't work today. Like if it, it, you know, he could be the strongest man in the world. Tell that to a nerve. Like yeah. we ain't talking muscles. We talking like, hey, I can't fire. I can't. But you know, the electrical impulses going down my arm will not let me get the thrust and, and trajectory I need to be a competent football player. Not to me. Not to mention, I'm not saying this is what's going on with him. But what I am saying is. You playing the 49ers, you know what they about to bring. Like, you know, when you talk about speed, when you talk about physicality, when you talk about bringing it, they got the D-line, you, you have your troubles up front. For me, I said it on UCS channel. You can go back and watch it. I said it two weeks ago when he was injured. I said, I don't, I don't like it. I just don't. I don't, like the, I don't like the vibes. And I think when people don't understand, it's your throwing shoulder. It's not a... Uh, 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 a labrum on the other side, and you see Baker. He said, "Man, I, my shoulder was trash last year. It was I couldn't do nothing with it." Um, so for me, uh, I'm not going to panic and jump off the top of the building at KYC. But would I like my quarterback to be playing or practicing today? Sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see what's going on Wednesday. 
Well, we can ask a guy who's been through a week of NFL practice, and that is our next guest. It is Johnny Stanton the fourth, the former fullback of the Cleveland Browns, who is launching actually launched it already, Athletics Check, which is a new I'm gonna call it an internet series. It's on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you find Dungeons and Dragons and football mixed together, you'll find Johnny Stanton the fourth talking about it. And let's bring him in. The former fullback of the Cleveland Browns, the host of Athletics Check, it is Johnny Stanton the fourth. What's up, Johnny? I I look we can't hear Johnny, unfortunately. Uh, see if his microphone is muted. We had audio one second ago. We did have audio. Okay. Johnny, we're working on it. We'll get him back in. I love that Johnny is a Hold self-proclaimed nerd. We need yeah, more. Yeah, I know. I like, you know, I know uh, some people hate analytics, but I, I, <clears throat> I like nerds. I don't consider analytics nerds. Dungeons and Dragons, yes. Mm. And I know that's right up his alley. You never played Dungeons and Dragons? Not once. Any of you guys? Not once. G. Bush, I feel like you might have I played. knew G. Bush had. But I bet he's not into it still. We should, uh, you know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to ask Johnny Stanton. <laughs> right. Who on this panel he thinks has played Dungeons well, and Dragons? Well, we just gave it away. If he can hear no, us. No, he, could he hear us? We can't hear him. He could probably hear us. I'm testing right now. Oh, there we there go. We got, we got We got you, audio, and we have Johnny Stanton. Johnny. There he is. This is the, did you hear what our discussion just now? I did not. I missed okay. it. Okay. See if you can guess just by looking at us. There's two of us on the panel that have played Dungeons and Dragons, and there's two of us that have never played Dungeons and Dragons. You got to okay. guess who has and who hasn't. I will, I'll give well, you everybody's name in case I'm you don't Jay, know. I'm Jay. You can start with that. me, and then you can go to G, Jason, and Bull. There you go. Okay. Um, well, my whole thing is that there is no stereotypical Dungeons and Dragons player. My whole ethos is the fact that everybody's multifaceted. Everybody has different passions. Like every athlete that you see on the field has something that is so important to them outside of football. And that's, uh, that's my whole, like my, that's my whole shtick, you know, okay. uh, I would say, so I would say there's, there's nobody who looks like a D and D player. I will say, Steve, I'm going to say that you, uh, you, you mentioned to me one time, I think that your daughter played. Is that correct? Somebody's, so, Jason? Sorry, I, I apologize. So, None of us have oh, a daughter. You know None of us have a daughter. No, I have no, a daughter. no, I have a daughter, but she doesn't play. Jay, so I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking of right. Steve Becker. <laughs> Steve Becker, man. I'm have. thinking okay. of Steve. I apologize. He's our, he's don't our, worry about he's it. our boss. Jay, G, Jason, Bull. Jay, I'm going to say that you have not played. G, I'm going to say that you have. Um, number third name. Jason. Jason. Jason, I'm going to say that you have, and Bull, I'm going to say that you have not. Went two for four. Two for yeah. four. That's you, not you bad. You were perfect with I, I have played. Two, right? You were right about G. I have played. Okay. I um, haven't played him. I played when I was like. 10, it was just coming to a thing when, when we were yeah. young. Well, I'm a little yeah, older I've, than you. I've never but, played. Yeah. yeah, I haven't either. But, but a lot of my friends, I played a little when I was a kid, but I didn't play for a long yeah. time. But G, you played a lot, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Well, I used to play back in the day, but. Um, yeah. Like, I didn't have my own dice. Like, you got to have, like, you cool if you got your own dice. Is that like showing up to the bowling lane yeah, with your own ball? like, you don't have no, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, yeah. like, you got to, and somebody would let me, let me borrow the dice, and I'm like, okay, cool, man. And sometimes on D&D, like, it's crazy because these games be lasting weeks. So there used to be yeah. like a weekly game, and yeah, it'd be I don't like have on that a Tuesday. Mind. <laughs> like, yeah. At the end of my day, I bulk a race and, and I start over tomorrow. And then it's kind of weird because like you really is make you really is making it up. They'd be like, "Yeah, I got these spells." It was fun. I liked playing it when I was a kid. Did you, John? Do you uh, do you you don't still live in the Cleveland area, do you? I don't. I'm uh, I'm in California. 
Yeah, I was going to say. Look at him. Look at that because hair. He's got the California look. My, yeah. yeah, it's true. My son is actually, <laughs> I've talked about. The background. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, I, I yeah. should have known that. <laughs> well, it could have been Lakewood. It could have been Florida. It could have been Florida. But um, my son is going to be in a show in December. It was written by the person that's putting on the show. It's called Ye Old uh, Going Medieval. Anyway, the, ba- the basis of the show, and my son is one of the three main characters in the show, there are three D&D players. And so the whole thing's been – so I, I thought you would appreciate that and maybe go if you were living in the area. But we're not going to ask you to fly in from California. But what is it, what is it that has captured you about this game? Like, had, were you – was this your – I mean, as a kid, were you obsessed with it? Or did you become more of into it as an adult? No, this was something I got into in college. I wasn't uh, I wasn't somebody who's super into fantasy. You know, I saw the Lord of the Rings movies when I was growing up, but I didn't, you know, go reach out and, you know, read the books. I uh, I wasn't trying to get every piece of fantasy information I had. I actually moved in from, like, kind of the comic book world and um, knew, knew some friends in the comic books who – uh, we're playing and I'm like, you know what? I think this is something that I could be, you know, have fun with. Um, and then it kind of just took over from there. It became a creative outlet for me that became really important. And it became a really great way for me to be able to connect with people. Um, you know, before I was in Cleveland, I'm pretty sure Miles Garrett and Wyatt Teller had no idea what, what D&D was outside of Stranger <laughs> Things. And and now it was a great way for me to be able to connect with them in a really, int- and you know, intentional way where we you know every month or so we'd get together over miles house and play in a game and you know we were able to raise eighteen thousand dollars last year and um playing a game live for in awesome so uh it was it was a really cool opportunity for me and it still is to be able to connect with people to be able to grow uh and to be able to show that like you know exactly what athletics check is it's it's uh that people have multiple sides to them and being able to know about those things being able to connect over those passions is really important to me. Are you excited, by the way? Sorry to cut you off. Uh, you mentioned Stranger Things, so I just had to follow up. Are you excited about the final season? Absolutely. Yeah, the last yeah. season was really fun. It was. It was awesome. So so let, let, we got to get a definition of what nerd is. I feel like the definition of nerd has been cast upon a lot of people, and it's a lot of posers in the community now. Just because you watch the Marvel movies does not mean you are nerd worthy. You have to, if you watch Dragon Ball, you have to learn about the mangas, not just regular Dragon Ball Super. What is your definition as a nerd as you're explaining it to, and how do you get in this cult? <laughs> so I'll push back against it just a little bit because I don't want, I, I, in athlete, with athletics check, I'm trying to break down the walls um, that are separating people from, you know, separating people in that jock nerd binary. Um, <laughs> there is no such thing. You don't need to choose between those two. I'm the perfect example of that. Um, so I think it, being nerdy about something is just shorthand for being passionate about something. You can be passionate about Marvel movies. You can be passionate about D&D. You can be passionate about aerospace technology. You can be passionate about math. It's something that is just outside of, uh, it's not even outside of pop culture. Marvel movies is pop culture now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's anything that's outside of, I think, your occupation that you're really, that is a, an intense hobby for you. Uh, and, and I think hobby has a, a negative connotation in itself. I think it's something that you like to be able to put your energy towards. And, uh, you know, what I like to put my energy towards is spending time four hours a week or so with friends around a table doing silly voices and rolling dice. (laughs) So, Johnny, here's why I think you're the perfect poster child for this. It sounds like your mission is to bring the jocks and the nerds and really just 
everybody together and break down the walls. You might be the perfect person for that because, correct me if I'm wrong, you were at one time a quarterback, a wide receiver, a tight end, and a fullback. So you've really been doing that inside locker rooms your entire life. No, it's true. I've, uh, you know, my my whole my whole thing is was on with football was to be adaptable, was to be versatile, to be somebody who could play on the field wherever I could. Um, I don't remember playing like ever lining up. Well, I've lined up a wide receiver. I think pretty much anybody on the field could. Um, but I've had quarterback, you know, fullback. I had a couple snaps of running back in Cleveland. I definitely had some snaps of full uh, tight end in Cleveland. In college, I played some linebacker. Uh, I'm learning how to long snap right now to try to make my way back in the NFL. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, I, being being versatile is definitely the name of the game for people who can't quite, uh, you know, are trying to make it back on a roster. All right, well, now i got to go to the long snapping route. Yeah, Charlie's replacement? Yeah, how, how long have you been doing this, working on this, and where are you at with it? You know, I've been working really hard since January, uh, like pretty much full-time. Um you know, I'm still definitely working at fullback and I'm staying strong, I'm staying in shape, but long snapping is a skill that I want to be able to use to extend my football career. I've had a lot of combines. I've spoken with scouts and they want to see some game film out of me, so I'm hoping to be able to make it into a spring league. Um, if, if not, you know, back with the team at, at fullback this year. So um, as far as Char- Charlie's job, I'm pretty sure is very, very secure. Uh, well, you can't know, do I'm it forever. To <laughs> He can't do it forever, but I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, I can have a career like Charlie. Yeah, he's the model. He what, really is. What's the key to that? What's the hardest part? <laughs> um, it's it's interesting when you're looking at a snapper. You just you just expect him to okay. Well, you know, pinpoint accuracy, um, get it back you know right on the belt line of the of the punter, and then you don't you don't really look at the guy when he's blocking. You know, he's kind of in charge. He has to make the most decisions when it comes to blocking. Um, the the personal protector tells him which way to go. But you have to be able to decide, okay, with crossers, with picks, who is who's the guy that I'm supposed to take care of? And on top of that, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, we're we're lucky if the long snapper gets down there and and, in on the tackle. But uh, that's something that I want to use as an advantage of mine is that I can I can run down there with the linebackers, with the tight ends, all those guys who are put on punt protection and uh, and try to go make a tackle on the on the returner. Johnny, is there is there a level of I don't know fear is the right word or maybe anxiety when you're the long snapper that you got to get over because you can't really look at the guy that's about to hit you on the defense is that mm-hmm. is that a mental hurdle to overcome when playing that position? Yeah, it definitely is. You know, everybody who's outside of me who's doing it has been doing it for for years and yeah. you know has a, a number of games under their belt. It's something that I'm trying to get used to. But, uh, you know, I, I, having not done it in a game yet, but been able to do it in practice in Cleveland, I was there. I was one of their emergency long snappers um, getting to, you know, having getting reps in, you know, with I remember Andy Janovich, who was the fullback with me uh, those years, yeah. uh, lining up over me on nose guard. And he would just have this heavy breathing. And I don't know if he was just doing it to mess with me or if he was just because <laughs> he was tired from, from special teams period. But he would, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely nerve wracking when you're like, OK, I can't even look at you. And you're about to you know, throw your whole body weight into me as fast as you can. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a ton you have to do. You have to be able to snap perfectly. Then you have to block perfectly. And then you have to be able to get off that block and uh, and set up, you know, a tackle down 40, 50 yards down the field. So there's a lot to do with it. And I think a lot of it doesn't end up getting appreciated by the common viewer. Man, you talk about, like, yeah, the offensive true. linemen. They're overlooked and they're taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And their, their name is only used in vain because yeah. you never stand up and say, 
what an unbelievable pull or whatever. But yeah. the first time they miss a block or there's a holding penalty, but I imagine for long snappers, it's even worse. Way worse, For 99.99% yeah. of the plays, you're just invisible and everybody expects you to be perfect. The one time you sail one high or it hits the ground, then all of a sudden, every eye in the building is on you. Yeah, no, you're exa exactly right. It's a, you want it to be a thankless job. You want to be somebody who just blends into the rest of the team, just another man on the 53-man roster uh, who just does their job. Um, because unless you're making a tackle, you're not going to be, uh, you know, have a perfect game. Nobody's, you're not going to show up on the uh, the pro football focus, you know, stat line, uh, you know, graded sheet at the end of the game. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something that you're just hoping to be, it, it, for me, it's just an excuse to be able to continue playing football. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Size-wise, where do you fit in? I imagine that you would be right in the wheelhouse or maybe on the smaller end. Where where are you on, on the size scale for long snappers? I'm probably a little bit heavier. Um, you know, oh. I've been able to put on all that muscle for fullback and tight end um, so that I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit heavier and stronger than most uh, long snappers. Um, I definitely, with, with the guys that I've worked out with, um, or competed against in combines, I can, I can run with the best of them if, you know, if not a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, you know, the hardest part about long snapping is the long snapping part, everything else. <laughs> otherwise, yeah. otherwise everybody would do it. You know, Johnny, what was your the guy was your teammate. You were in the running back room with him. When you saw Nick Chubb's injury, I don't know if you were watching the game live at the time. What was your reaction? You know, I did end up missing the play itself, um, but I was watching the game. I saw the reactions in the Pittsburgh crowd. Um, I I was I was tweeting during that. I remember feeling like obviously horrible for Nick. Um, the next thing I thought about was how respectable the uh, the the Pittsburgh crowd was being and cheering for him as he went off the field. I think Nick is one of the most well-respected players around the league. I don't think anybody could ever have a bad word to say about him. Um, he is a friend of mine. He is somebody who I actually messaged him the day before uh, that game, um, you know, wishing him luck. And, you know, it, it hurts to see him to see him go down like that. What I'm so glad about is that it didn't doesn't seem as bad as uh, as everybody made it out to be or as everybody thought it was going to be. So, you know, we can continue to hope, hope and pray that he gets back as soon as possible. Um, I want him to just make sure that he's back at 100%, but it's something that he's been through before and something that he knows how to get through. If we would have told you after that 2020 season when Baker played very well the second half of the year, win a playoff game against Pittsburgh, that since then Baker would have gone to Carolina, to the Rams, to Tampa, and that the Browns would have traded for Deshaun Watson. How, how shocked would you have been uh, three years ago if that had happened, if we told you that? I mean – very shocked. Um, I I know that I could have done a whole lot more to be able to secure my spot on the team, but I do think that the slight offense change when Deshaun came in is a big reason why we don't. There's not a fullback in Cleveland anymore. Um, so yeah, I loved having Baker there. Uh, he was a great guy in the locker room. He was fun to be able to be around. You know, I root for him in Buck. You know, in Tampa. Um, I root for all the guys that I played with, and, um, and that includes everybody who's still there in Cleveland. When you look at the Browns right now, they're kind of, you know, I think the expectations this season were very high, but now we're at the four-game mark. They're 2-2. Two and two. Their defense has looked elite. Their offense at times has looked like they've played with a bag over their head. 
against Tennessee. They figured it out. Who is this team after four weeks? You know, it's a team that's still trying to get their identity. Uh, The defense is obviously the core of their identity. It's something that has always been on the precipice of being a extreme strength of theirs, best in the league. And this year they seem to have figured it out. I think it's the combination of not only Miles being as good as he's ever played, but also guys like Greg Newsome, Jeremiah Wosukoromoa, Grant Delpit being all healthy and all of them having a couple of years under their belt now where they're really being able to dominate those defensive backfields and in, um, you know, being able to stop the run. Uh, as far as the offense goes, you know, they're trying to gain their identity back with Nick going down. Um, they obviously have weapons. Everybody knows they have weapons. You got Amari Cooper, you got Jerome Ford, you know, just lighten people up. But consistency with holding on to the ball is the name of the game around the NFL. Uh, it's no different in Cleveland. And making sure that, you know, the offense and the, you know, everybody on the offense is making smart choices uh, is, is what's going to get you more wins. But it's the NFL, you know, <laughs> those guys are getting paid to play the game as well. You know, everybody, you know, two and two after four games is not the end of the world by any means. I think people in Cleveland should hold their head high and have a lot of hope for the rest of the season because Jerome is only going to be able to grow in his uh, strength and speed. Uh, you know, he is somebody who I was very impressed with last off offseason. Um, and Kareem being there to be able to help uh, – usher him in as well as take a lot of the pressure off of him um, in that run game. And, you know, Kareem was always the, an incredible third down back in the, in the past game, being able to be a threat to run, but also be a threat to catch a swing pass and go 50 yards with it. So I think they have, they have the, uh, the weapons there. It's just about bringing it all together and regaining your identity with Chubb going down. Real quick, before we go to Anthony, thumbs up or thumbs down on the first episode of Loki. I'm assuming you've watched it, season two. I've been waiting to. I think we might end up watching it tonight. So okay. I'm going to – I've heard good things, though. Sounds good. Anthony, go ahead. Anthony's going to go second. I got one oh. for you real quick, Johnny. And remember, if you guys haven't checked out, check out the athletics check on Johnny's social media channels, at Johnny Stanton the fourth. Johnny, who was your favorite fullback growing up? Oh, man. I think it's tough to say. Like, I was a quarterback growing up, so – I wasn't really looking at the fullbacks, um, but uh, oh my gosh! And, oh, Lorenzo Neal is somebody that I really love, and enjoyed oh, watching. Yeah. Great choice. And then- blocking for Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, you know, I I've talked to people who went up against uh, Lorenzo, and I actually haven't interacted with him myself. But just just hearing the stories about this bowling ball of a five eight, five ten fullback just blowing blowing your chin strap off. Is, uh, is always fun to hear. That's just the epitome of a fullback right there. Yeah, hey, Johnny. So as the resident D&D nerd on the show, I have to ask, what was it like working with Dimension 20 and Brennan and all of them when you got invited onto that? It's really fun. Um, I, uh, I, went, I did a thing called Adventuring Academy with Dropout. Um, everybody there is incredible. I've had the opportunity to be able to do an I'm um, Actually episode, which was my first uh, appearance on Dropout, as well as... Um, an episode of Dirty Laundry, which is, should come out in the next couple of weeks. I don't know exactly when. Nice. Um, but everybody, Abria, Brennan, um, everybody that I've met, every, the cast of Critical Role have all been exactly what you would hope they would be. They're all incredible people. I consider them friends now. Uh, and it's it's a very fun uh, community to be a part of. Uh, listen, Johnny, really quick before we, we let you go, um, 
it just it just came to me. Uh, you you should be doing acting lessons, bro. You should be doing some acting. Yeah, he's you got the be, Hollywood look. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't mess with that yeah, long snapper stuff. You you should be doing some some <laughs> acting stuff. There's a lot of places out there. I, I just it just comes to me, and I'm right. I got a crystal ball a lot. So you should be doing some acting, and I, I hope to see you in the next three years on the big screen. I appreciate it. I actually just took my first improv class on Wednesday, oh. so maybe I'll throw some acting class. There you in go. Improv. That's great. Nah, thanks, go. Johnny. Johnny. Thanks, sir. Great. Thanks, There's a, that's what a well-rounded person looks there like. There you yeah. go. Yeah. For the yeah. first time in my life, I felt like, have you ever felt sorry for someone at a party that's not a sports fan, but everybody at the party is a sports fan? Yeah. And oh, you, you know this person, and yeah. you know their head is spinning. You're talking about four threes and the bye week. For the first time in my life, I felt like that guy when you guys were talking about dropout, <laughs> Bree and Brendan, and I'm like, I don't know what in the hell is going Dungeons on right now. Dungeons and Dragons, Stranger Things. Dungeons and Dragons. You were yeah. Anthony oh, officially boom. stumped the panel. We got to get some super chats in, yeah. though, guys. And when we do super chats, they're brought to us by our dear friends at PCC Airfoils. If you're looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, all see, locations see. of PCC Airfoils in East Lake, Venner, Wycliffe, and Minerva yeah. are hiring for all positions starting at 8 $18 and up, plus full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. We got a couple of them today, and we will start from Donnie M. Jason and the guys, how many sacks do you think 71 gives up this weekend? And how comfortable do you think Watson is with 71 watching his backside? Five and not, and not comfortable at all. Three sacks. Um... Four, four more pressures and, and, and two or three stops in the run game. How many are the Niners going to get, or how many is he specifically going to give he up? He specifically. I think you give up two. I'm going to say one, even though he stinks. <laughs> I think they're going to get – I think I'm going to have some faith in the game plan, which may be stupid, and I think <laughs> they're going to get rid of the ball quickly and not give them an opportunity to get to the All passer right. as much. Right. Uh, but I obviously Deshaun Watson is not looking forward to having him block for him. Next one's from Daryl, and we love Daryl. Shout out Daryl. Stefanski's always out-schemed and out-coached, never once putting his best players in a position to excel. That's not true. And last but not least, from Harut, G. Bush, please take a shot of Kool-Aid, my friend. You're way too pessimistic. This is a new offense with new personnel. It takes time. Relax. You want your team waxing at the right time, they will get it together. Have some confidence. Let me talk about G. Bush for a minute. He is an extreme guy. So when things are going well for the Browns, he thinks they're the best team in football. Who's the new personnel? When things are going bad for the Browns, Ford? he thinks they're the worst team in football. I, well, that's see, he's all in. I'm, I'm good I'm and a, bad. I, see, see, when I look at the film and I see my team doing bad or poorly, I don't say I hate them. I just say I want them to make. I want them to change that yeah. immediately tomorrow. And if the Browns come out here and beat these 49ers, are you serious? You had, that means you got a signature win. That means Deshaun Watson must have played. You'll have Kool-Aid coming out. Oh, what nose. are you talking about? I'll have a brand new Kool-Aid Mafia shirt on the next day. Stop playing with me. J and G will both have them as the best defense in the history of football if they win this game. Both of you. Only if oh, they play see? well. See? Well, if they're going to win, they're going to have to play. It, the defense is going to have – Browns are not winning this game unless all th- everybody I, I, plays well. You mean they're not going to win 45-42? <laughs> what was the, yeah. What's the over-under, 39.5? Yeah, no, even lower than that. If they hold – listen. If well, I saw 39.5. Oh, it is 39. If they hold still low. They hold them take the under they hold them under the four, under 14 points is the greatest I've ever seen. <laughs> there you go. I believe that they they can have a good game against the 49ers. Yeah. But they, I mean, as the Ravens proved, 
you can still put up 27 on this defense. And that was an offense that, quite frankly, has looked pretty pedestrian. If, if Jim yeah, Schwartz, throw, for me, I'm throwing that game out because you had a non-competitive quarterback playing for the Browns. That's fair. I'm throwing it out. Yeah, that's fair. To do uh, that. By the way, can we talk about the fact that I'm 17 and eight making picks on the NFL through five weeks? 17 and eight dominating the competition. And if you've been going with me, you're probably rich right now. And now, by the way, he, he has a one. He has baseball one, picks were hot like that too at the beginning. He yeah. has a designated I was one on fire. line that you could call to get, get what are you the talking hot about? picks for this weekend. You leveled it out. <laughs> no, I didn't. I thought you were finished at 500 or so. No. How did you finish the season? We ha- we stopped doing that segment on the air. Oh, I hate that. So how, I didn't pick your, them anymore. How'd your money go betting against the A's all year, McNuggets? Yeah, how did you end up on that bet? Uh, when I went to Germany, I didn't look for three weeks. I didn't want to go back and figure out how it happened. So when I l- finished, I was down like seven bucks. It almost broke even, but I have no idea how they did. Proof from Vegas August knows on. what the hell they're doing, don't they? Yeah. Because yeah, they had to win by one in a lot of these games. They they won so many close games. Lo- I mean, lost lost, me. lost so many close games. It was uh, it was pretty devastating. I got destroyed on the blackjack tables too. In what Canada. did they end up? Uh, what did they end up with? How many losses? They finished with uh, 112. I thought they'd lose 121. So They were nine games better than Bulls' projection. Yeah, 112. But anyway, I'm dominating. I'm beating guys who played in the NFL. Brandon Stokely and Stink, Mark Schlereth, both part of the competition. Schlereth is in second place behind me. He's three and a half games back already. Five games. You sound like Baker taking a premature victory lap to I, me. I, I'm backing it up. Well, through four games, you lost. Five games. I want to give you credit. You called the Jacksonville game. I told you. Told me.